0: Hollow Mountain Publishing presents The Pawn, book one of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 39 Redemption Arriving at the lodge, they observed the damage done to the place. Turning back into human form, Katie followed Jackson's lead and started picking up overturned chairs and cleaning up broken glass. It became obvious they couldn't do anything more until daylight. They sat down in the chairs. Katie noticed Tyler sitting stiffly next to Jackson, who was curiously looking at a downtrodden Lizzie. Trouble in paradise? She privately communicated to him, referring to Tyler and Lizzie. Jackson turned and winked at her. They shared a quiet smile. Katie picked up her cell phone and texted David. Everyone okay. Candy stretched out on one of the couches. I wonder how much of a dent we made to the other side tonight. Jackson laughed. We're not going to hear about some poor camper getting attacked by an animal. We could have missed somebody, Katie said cautiously. Jackson shook his head. No way. They wanted to make an example of me. Everyone in the area was required to attend. I haven't even met half the Seekers that were present. He shook his head, chuckling. Not bad for one night's work. Katie frowned. What do you think about Miss Smith demanding we kill all the Seekers? What? What? Tyler and Lizzie said in unison. Katie realized they were not part of the conversation she had had with the English teacher. They didn't have any idea Jackson had received all of the Black Panther's spirit heart back. Katie half listened while Candy filled them in. Katie got up and started pacing the room. Old Elizabeth Hawk performed the ceremony, intending on making everyone who might change into a were animal promise to destroy all seekers. She firmly believed. There was no turning back once the Seekers' oath was made. Katie struggled to put her thoughts into words. She even came to me in a dream, just before I changed, warning me. I needed to have my mother perform the ceremony in her place. Candy sat up on the couch. Once she was in the spirit world, wouldn't she have realized she was wrong about Seekers? Katie shook her head, trying to figure it out in her mind. Jackson cleared his throat. Old Elizabeth Hawke has been living for more than 170 years. She firmly believed what she was doing was right. I can't see her changing her mind in just a matter of months, regardless if she was dead or not. So what you're saying, Katie pointed out, she would have the same beliefs and personality in the spirit world as she had here on Earth. It sounds plausible, Kenny pointed out. We'll never know for sure. Forrest told me... Old Elizabeth Hawk was in love with the seeker, Katie said quietly. She looked up as all eyes were on her. He said there was no saving him. She asked the others to kill him because she couldn't do it herself. We know that's not true, Kenny interrupted, because Jackson is no longer a seeker. Jackson got up and leaned against the wall with his arms folded. Can you explain again what happened at the ceremony? There's nothing to tell. Lizzie piped up. My grandmother told us the story of the great white tiger. She was getting ready to tell us of some danger when she had her stroke. The very moment when she was going to tell about the seeker she had a stroke, Jackson asked, his excitement showing. Probably. Lizzie watched Jackson carefully. Jackson pushed off the wall. My guess is the great white tiger was getting ready for the next generation of war animals. She recognizes three potentials in the ceremony. Not wanting them to make the deadly promise, she leaves old Elizabeth Hawk's body causing a stroke. He started pacing the room, his excitement infectious. The tiger watches the relationship between me and Katie closely, but still allows us to become friends. She is probably hoping when the time comes, I will choose not to turn her into a seeker. He turned to Katie. Remember? I told you it took several weeks for you to change. Four times longer than anyone else I know. She wanted a friendship to develop. Katie watched Jackson, finally understanding what the great white tiger was trying to do. Once Katie became a animal, it's easier for the others to follow, Jackson said. I go and screw everything up by getting Sam killed. He sat down on the couch. She's not ready to give up on me, he said with wonder. When Katie gets in the car accident, she doesn't go to any of you to save her. She comes to me. I follow her straight to Katie, which allows me to tell my story. He got up and started pacing the room again. She has to rely on Katie, having the personality to forgive, and have the heart to fight for a seeker. A seeker who has the potential to become a monster. Katie felt uncomfortable with the praise. Jackson, I already told you. I had reservations about saving you. Candy was the one who convinced me. I would never have given him a chance if he didn't explain the circumstances of how he became a seeker. Candy piped in. I would have just assumed he'd chosen evil over good. I wonder when seekers first started appearing, Katie said, changing the subject. I mean, you think about it, it's a diabolical plan. First, she starts ticking off with her fingers. The animal spirit recognizes an evil about to threaten the people they have chosen to protect. Second, they enter into the bodies of chosen vessels to fight this evil, only to have the evil come up with a lie, changing the chosen servants into seekers. Third, they are aware it's a lie at first, so they don't trust the seekers. They then use the seekers to create more seekers. Fourth, The Seekers eventually became just as evil as them and turned into Malice, who helps their cause. The group sat in silence, contemplating over all the things they had learned. A small beep from Katie's cell phone had everyone turning to watch her as she casually picked it up to receive a text. Where are you? She quickly typed Lodge and set the phone down. Again, the beep sounded. Where are you? She shook her head, a small grin acknowledging David's determination. Eventually she typed in, be home soon. She looked up and saw Jackson watching her closely. She gave him an apologetic smile. David's worried. She didn't understand her need to apologize or give an explanation. Trying to cover her confusion, she got up and looked over the group. There's something else I would like to discuss. She looked around, all eyes on her. David has talked to me several times about how our families need to know the truth of what's going on. She could see the apprehension in everyone's eyes. I know it's going to be hard, but I believe he's right. I tried to tell my mom once. It was disastrous. She smiled at the memory. I think we should tell them all at once here at the lodge where there can be no distractions. She waited patiently for someone to agree with her. The silence was deafening. She decided she might as well get it all out. The black family needs to be here also. She looked towards Jackson. They need to know what happened to Sam. Everything. The good. The bad. She paused before continuing. Everything. She kept looking around the silent group wanting someone to agree. We won't truly get past Sam's death and the mistakes that were made until we face up to them. Her eyes now pleading. Any thoughts or ideas? Still, no one said a word. Jackson sighed. Getting up, he stood next to her. Turning around, he faced the group. I'm in. Katie looked over and gave him an appreciative smile. Thank you. Jackson gave her a twisted smile. I don't like the idea of facing the blacks, but I miss my family. He nodded his head. I want to go home. Candy jumped up and gave Jackson a hug. If you can face the blacks, I can face my mom. Jackson smiled, shaking his head. You're a lot stronger than I am, he said with a laugh. Katie couldn't help grinning as she watched them share a private joke. Turning back to the other two, She patiently waited. My foster parents. Tyler shook his head. They are not my family. Katie frowned. Where are your parents? I never met my dad. My mom. She's in prison for vehicular manslaughter while under the influence. Stunned, Katie gave a quick glance towards Candy, who had a shocked expression on her face. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I have a brother and sister. Tyler inserted. I haven't seen them since I was 12. I don't know where they are. You don't have to have your foster parents come, Katie said quickly. You have more family than that, Candy pointed out. We're your family. Tyler gave them a sheepish smile. He nodded quickly and looked down at his feet. Katie looked towards her oldest friend in the room. Lizzie was watching Tyler closely. A scared expression on her face. She glanced up and quickly masked her features. Once again, I find myself the last one to agree to one of your schemes. I'm not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do, Katie said quickly. Lizzie sighed. Of course you are. Katie was a little taken back. No, I'm not, Lizzie. We just won't invite your parents to come. Your mom will be on the phone telling mine as soon as she gets home. Lizzie pointed out. Katie stopped and took a deep breath. This is the right thing to do, Lizzie. We need our families. Lizzie gave a derogatory laugh. See? No choice. Katie watched her friend closely. Unable to gauge what was really going on, she finally came to a decision. I'm not sure what you want me to do, Lizzie. So I'm going to go ahead with a plan for telling our parents. I will leave it up to you if your parents show up or not. Looking at the clock, it was almost 2 a.m. She rubbed her eyes in exhaustion. Let's go home. Without waiting for anyone else, she headed for the Hummer. Hi, this is Diana Kilpak. I hope you've enjoyed this week's chapter of The Pawn the first book in the Appalachian Storm series. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.